Hi, it's Rob West. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to let you know that last year, more than 45,000 people searched for a local certified kingdom advisor or CKA in their area. These financial, legal, and accounting professionals have completed a certification program to give biblically wise financial advice as a part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to moneywise.org and clicking the Find a CKA button on the homepage. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hi, I'm Rob West. Jesus' instruction to his disciples in John 16, is a strong reminder that we live in a fallen world. As followers of Christ, we too will experience hard times, but the Bible tells us how to overcome them. I'll talk about that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Living in a land of religious freedom, we don't experience the type of tribulation that followers of Christ experienced through the centuries, at least not yet. Uh, We also are the wealthiest country in history, and often Satan doesn't attack our weaknesses, but our strengths. When we rely on ourselves, then, our strengths become our weaknesses. If money is your stronghold, you become vulnerable. We don't know what the economy will do in the months and years ahead. That uncertainty is especially strong right now, and it's causing a lot of fear. Folks are worried about their investments, inflation, gas prices, even their jobs. But to say we don't know the future is only partially true. We may not know about tomorrow, but we certainly know that as a disciple of Christ, our ultimate ultimate future is secure. With the gift of grace through faith, we'll one day be with him for eternity, joyous and safe from all tribulation. In the meantime, we must endure. More on that in a minute. Just know that God hasn't left us on our own, even though it may sometimes feel that way. In times like these, it's important to remember three things about the God we serve. First, no matter what happens in this world, God is always in control. Not a single molecule moves outside of His divine will. Isaiah forty twenty eight reads, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Second, as the creator of the universe, God rightly owns everything, including us. We are only his stewards of what he gives us. We own nothing. Psalm 50, verse 10 and 11 reminds us, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. Taking this to heart should help us to not cling to our money and possessions, but rather cling to God. And third, God knows your needs. In fact, he determines them, again, according to his will. Knowing your needs, God has promised to fulfill them, and he always keeps his promises. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five reads, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. 
Of course, as we often tell you, it's critical not to confuse needs with wants. God will sometimes provide your wants, but he will always provide your needs. Matthew six twenty-five and 26 reminds us, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? All this should be of great comfort when we're fearful about losing the things of this world, especially our money. God is all-powerful. He owns everything, and he will never forsake us regardless of what's happening on Wall Street. It also means that any tribulation we experience is the will of God. If that sounds harsh, it's not. God always has a purpose, and his purpose is always for our benefit. Romans 5, 3, and 4 tells us we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And James 1, 2, and 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God has given us everything we need to know about stewarding his resources. The Bible contains more than 2,300 verses on money and possessions. When we follow his financial principles, we don't have to worry about what tomorrow will bring. God is in control. Any hardships we face are only his way of building our character and conforming our will to his, that we will become more like Christ. Second Peter 3.18 reads, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. What may seem harsh now will have eternal benefit because God is always acting in our best interest. Well, I hope this leaves you with hope for the future, not fear. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that you can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org give. How should we as Christians think about investing? What if we could invest our money in a way that aligns with what we believe? At Eventide, we believe it is possible to love God and love our neighbor in the very practice of investing. We design investments for performance and a better world so you can invest for the future with a sense of wholeness and purpose. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at investeventide.com. Welcome to MoneyWise. I'm Rob West, your host, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you as we take your calls and questions from all across the country. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Uh, Miami, Florida, Jessica, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Yes, my question is, since there's inflation and the market is down, is it wise to reduce my contribution to my personal mutual funds? And then uh, just go back to it uh, percentage-wise when the market uh, goes back. 
Uh, no, in fact, uh, you know, this is during a down market, Jessica, even though this maybe flies in the face of conventional wisdom, just as you're experiencing it going down, the tendency is to say, I'm going to stop contributing or I'm going to pull something out or I'm going to move it to cash when in fact the opposite is what you should be doing. And that is as stocks are falling, as you continue to make the same contributions through what's known as dollar cost averaging, you're essentially putting the same money in through salary deferral that you were putting in when the market was going straight up, except because now it's it's down at lower levels, you're buying more shares of those mutual funds with the same money coming out of your paycheck. So as this market recovers, uh, you know, you'll win in that because you'll benefit from those additional shares now recovering in value and moving to higher territory. And what we've experienced here, which I believe is temporary, by the way, in the sense that we had a market that was down 20% overall, uh, you know, from its high, we've taken and we've recovered about half of that. Now, I think this is just kind of a short-term thing that's going on here. I think we could retest our lows. We could even go lower before we fully recover. But once we do, and I believe we will, well before the economy recovers, the market will recover, that's the time for you to be rewarded for those consistent contributions you were making into your 401k while the market was down, which allowed you to buy the same shares, you know, at lower prices. Um, so if it were me, Jessica, I would stay very faithful um, to your contributions uh, to your retirement account. In fact, if you have the ability, this would be a great time to increase them. Yes. I just want to clarify that my 401k is maxed out. This mutual funds is just personal liquid funds that I put, you know, I set aside instead of putting in the bank. So my, my retirement is okay. They're maxed Okay. Up. Okay. Very good. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah. I mean, so do you have other priorities that would uh, cause you to want to redirect these funds elsewhere? I mean, do you have a fully funded emergency fund? Do you have any short-term goals? Are you trying to replace an automobile with cash? Uh, you know, do you have giving goals you want to do things that would cause you to want to take this money and put it towards something else that was a priority? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. So I think if, if that's the case, I mean, the same principle applies with the contributions you were making to the mutual funds outside of the retirement account during a down market. That's still a very good time to continue to contribute. And that would hold true uh, with this taxable account as well. But I would take a step back and just look at the bigger picture to say, um, is there something that I would rather do with this money that's more in line with my values and priorities? than just continuing to build up additional long-term savings. Uh, you know, if your retirement account is, is on track to have what you need, then maybe it's time to reduce debt, to do more giving, to put money aside for a short-term need so you can avoid using, you know, uh, any borrowing in the future. I think those are things to consider. But all things being equal, this is not the best time to reduce investment contributions just because the market's down. It actually makes it more attractive. Uh, we appreciate your call today, though, Jessica. Thanks for checking in. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, Pamela, thanks for your patience. Go right ahead. Um, I have rental property that was given to me that I inherited when my mother passed away. And it just keeps um, digging me in a hole like I'm doing a sewer replacement now. Now I need a new roof. And so, um, and I really don't have enough money to get the new roof. I'm not, and the money that I'm getting off the rental property is paying for the sewer line. Mm. So 
So my question to you is people are calling me every day to buy that house. Should I try to find some kind of way to get those repairs or should I just sell it? And if I do, those people that call me every day, should I go through them or go through someone else if I decide to sell it? Yeah, I mean, just based on what I'm hearing, Pamela, I would encourage you to sell it, but not to the people who are calling you or sending you text messages or phone calls, which, by the way, uh, if you're like me, those uh, are going through the roof. Uh, the reason is they're going to lowball you on the offer. You know, typically you're going to get with something like that if it's legitimate, and many of them aren't, but let's say it is, they're going to offer you probably something around 30% below the true market value. So uh, let's not respond to those by any means. But let's first decide, does it make sense for you to sell it, given what you're describing here and the repairs and, you know, the fact that you don't really have the money to keep this up. And it sounds like it, you know, may not be even wise if you did. I'd say, you know, it's an inheritance. Let's be grateful for it, that this is part of God's provision. But let's get it sold and redeploy that money into either an investment strategy or paying down debt or, uh, you know, maybe picking up another investment property, but one of your choosing uh, down the road and when you're ready financially. Uh, if you made that decision, how should you go about settling it? Well, I'd look for a, a real estate professional in that area, one who specializes in that part of town. You may want to drive around that neighborhood or the surrounding neighborhoods and see who has the most signs um, and interview them. You could ask for a referral as well if you're in that local area. Um, but you're going to want to find a real estate professional. And the first thing I would do is get their opinion on what repairs or improvements you need to make and which you don't because you want to do as little as possible to get that ready to sell, to maximize the value of the sale. And there's a lot of things you could do, but they're actually not things that will you'll be able to recover when you sell it. Uh, there may be, though, some critical things that you need to do, to do that if you don't, uh, it's actually going to cause you to lose some of the value. And those you might you know want to go ahead and take care of. But I would get a professional in there who can evaluate that um, you know through their lens and help you make those decisions. Okay. Okay. And thank you so much. And I've learned so much from listening to your program. Thank you so much. Well, you're very sweet. Thank you for calling today. God bless you. Uh, Quickly to uh, Minnesota, Kathy, go right ahead. Yes. If somebody retires before their full retirement, does their um, social security check get, uh, if they're working, um, dinged, if they make more or too much or... Yeah. So if you're, uh, you can earn as much as you want, uh, on social security, uh, up, uh, you know, after full retirement age. Um, but if you, uh, are working before full retirement age for social security, uh, you will have, um, an amount that is reduced. Um, and the good news is though, that that amount will be made up to you after the fact. So once you turn full retirement age, any amount amount that was withheld from you uh, will be returned to you over time. Um, so essentially the way it works is a dollar in benefits is deducted for each two, um, uh, for each two dollars you earn above the annual limit and the limit for 2022 is nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty dollars. So again, prior to full retirement age, you're working uh, anything above nineteen thousand five sixty is going to reduce your benefits by a dollar for every two dollars you earn above that. But again, that will be made up to you after full retirement age 
over a period of time through a higher check. So you will eventually get that back. And then once you reach full retirement age, you can earn as much as you want. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. All right. Thanks calling for calling, Kathy. We appreciate it. Much more to come right around the corner on MoneyWise, including your questions. God's word is packed with life-changing wisdom about your finances. And MoneyWise is here to help you and millions of others learn to be wise stewards. As a nonprofit organization, we rely on help from MoneyWise patrons, supporters of this mission, to help us continue and expand our outreach. Has God provided financial answers for you through this ministry? If so, please consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron. Visit MoneyWise.org and click Give on the homepage. For 30 years, Sound Mind Investing has been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including a short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. 800-525-7000. All right, back to the phones we go uh, to Florida. Alice, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I was calling because I had a question regarding my husband's car, which is in the mechanic right now. Um, Right now, the labor is $600 because he opened it up. And I think the repair might be $1,500 to $2,000. I wouldn't, I don't know if I should consider it. Um, Yeah. Baby, uh-huh, you asked Yeah, me. <laughs> well, it's a good question. Uh, you know, it's generally a good time to get a new car, and this might sound extreme, but when the repair costs exceed the car's value uh, or one year's worth of monthly payments. Now, with an older car, uh, you typically don't have those. Uh, what type of car is it and what year? So it's a 2010 Volkswagen CC and, of course, no payments. Okay, yeah. Uh, so my team is telling me that, uh, you know, prices range, it's pretty wide range here, 6,500 all the way to 11,000, depending on the mileage conditions and features. So if you're talking about a repair around a thousand dollars, maybe a little more, it probably makes some sense given what's going on in the car market right now with, uh, used cars up 16% year over year and, uh, you know, they're just sky high right now because of lack of inventory. So this is not a good time to be buying a car. Um, so I, I would probably, if you've got an independent mechanic who you trust that says, listen, if we put this kind of money in it, you can get, you know, some, some good mileage out of it moving forward. It probably makes sense given that, you know, $1,500 versus a, a vehicle that's probably worth, you know, somewhere around seven or eight grand, maybe more, uh, you know, can make some sense. Obviously, if there's, you know, the mechanic feels like, and you confirm this maybe with a second one, that this is just the beginning of a whole series of repairs.
repairs or there's something major on the horizon that might change things. But if you can repair this and drive it for a lot longer, uh, that would be good, at least if you can get a couple more years out of it. All right. Well, thank you so much. It has helped already. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Uh, Karen in Glenview, Illinois. Go right ahead. How can I help? Thank you for taking my call. Um, Okay. So I'm 64, single, never married, and I own my own condo, but I had to go on disability 10 years ago. So I've been living on Social Security, which is okay. A friend of mine uh, told me that I should, I have a will that I made out when I had first gotten sick. She said that I should have a living trust as well. And I'm not sure if that's revocable or irrevocable, but she said it costs about $2,000 to have that um, put together. And I, I'm just really, to me, that seems so expensive. And I wondered, because I had done my own durable power of attorney for health care and just uh, took it off the computer, the form, but I don't know anything about a living trust, and so yeah. I'm hoping yeah, that you can. Yeah, I mean, you may be stuff. able to get one for more like 1500 but they could be 2000 Tell me the, the reasons that she was putting forward why you need a trust. Um, you know, there are some advantages to a trust over a will, but not everyone needs one by any means. What was she trying to accomplish for you? Well, she said if I don't have a living trust, that it would go through probate. I, I right. do have... Um, investment worth um, forty five four hundred and fifty thousand, okay. um, and I guess that's the bulk of it. And I own my yeah. home for about a hundred and fifty thousand. But yeah. she said if you don't have a living trust, it goes through probate. Which... And that's true, with the exception of those investment accounts. You can name a beneficiary on those, or beneficiaries, and they can be individuals. Or, you know, it could be a charity or ministry. And that uh, account, which you, you said is the bulk of your assets, would pass outside of probate directly to the beneficiary or beneficiaries. Um, so the will would cover everything else. It would go through probate. A probate court, uh, you know, would appoint uh, an executor and uh, the um, uh, their decision would be made based on your will on how to distribute the assets. It would be part of the, the public record. Um, but I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I mean, that's a, an efficient process. If you wanted it uh, control over those assets beyond your life or if you were incapacitated, if you uh, needed to protect them for a minor child or a lifelong dependent, if you wanted all of this private and out of the uh, public record, I mean, those might be reasons to use a, uh, a trust. But in the case of the um, your situation, the will covers everything except the investment portfolio, and that would be handled by having an up-to-date beneficiary. Well, do you think it would be okay to um, find something on the internet that uh, um, download uh, living yeah. trust and fill it up I would recommend then... against that. Yeah, I understand you did that with the POA. I think trusts get fairly complicated, and the last thing you'd want to do is be depending upon a trust that was not valid for some reason, uh, you know, for your estate planning. I think, uh, again, I don't see necessarily a reason for it here. Uh, I mean, you could put your home in it and things like that, but, you know, as long as you have a valid will, the probate process will work for everything for except the investment accounts and, and bank accounts. 
accounts which have named beneficiaries. So I'm just not sure what added benefit you get with the trust. But if you're going to do it for any of the reasons I mentioned, I would use an estate attorney and spend the $1,500 to do it. Because of the cost, I didn't want to, but I wasn't yeah. sure if it was necessary to do it. And Well, I don't think it's necessary, and if you do do it, I wouldn't use an online tool. There's just too many things that can go wrong there. That's just my opinion. I, if you're going to do it, let's do it right. Otherwise, I'd just rely on the will and the beneficiaries. that sound okay? Yes. Who would you choose? An attorney? Uh, yes, I would. Uh, an estate attorney. So I'd head to our website, moneywise.org, and click Find a CKA. And then uh, when you contact a certified kingdom advisor, just ask for a referral to a godly estate planning attorney. They would all have one that they work with and could give you possibly even a couple of recommendations that you could check with. So that's moneywise.org and click find a CKA. You're probably not going to find a certified kingdom advisor who's an estate attorney in your area, but they could all make a reference. Karen, we appreciate your call. Thanks for checking with us. Well, before we run today, I want to ask you about how you think about money. Do you control how you spend it, save it, and give it, or does it seem to control you? Well, every day we talk about what the Bible has to say about money and how important it is to have a plan for how we manage it. If you haven't already done so, let me recommend that you check out the free MoneyWise app and let it help you get started on building a plan and working that plan so you control your money rather than it controlling you. You can find links to it on our website at moneywise.org. I'm Rob West. Many thanks to our amazing broadcast team and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time, right here on MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.